How's everybody doing today? <laughs> you all got your phones out uh, watching the weather as it comes in? or It's actually really nice right now. And I got to say just a special thank you for being out here. Uh, you guys are the diehards for sure. So when it rain or shine, we're going to be here and we're going to roll with it. All right. Well, if you, if you um, have your Bibles uh, or your phones or whatever you're using, um, you can go ahead and, and turn to the book of Romans. That's where we're going to end up today uh, as one of our scriptures. Um, we're going to begin a series today, and it's called Back to the Start. Uh, back to the Start. And it'll make sense here in just a minute as I unpack this a little bit. But um, how many of you here do things or maybe you think about this, maybe you don't, but you know, maybe there's certain things that you do just out of habit or just because you've always done it, but have you ever thought like where things like originated from, like why you do what you do, you know, or maybe where things have originated from. Um, I have a few things I want to share just for fun that uh, may be interesting for you as well. Um, I think no, probably most people here won't know these, the answers to these, except for maybe Dave Harrington. He'll, he'll probably have all of these figured out. But um, the first one is treadmills. How many people have treadmills in their home? Yeah? Is there a lot of clothes hanging on them? That's what always happened to ours. We always had, it was a great clothes hanger. You can lay stuff out to dry, and it's really pretty awesome. Um, but I was reading, and, and the origin of treadmills was actually kind of intriguing. I'll just read from here. It said, in recent years, treadmills have become part of the fitness craze, allowing people to go for walks and runs in varying lengths and difficulty without having to leave the comfort of their homes and gyms. The device dates back to the first century AD when they were used to help move heavy objects. Now, this is what's interesting. In 1818, a gentleman by the name of William Cubitt developed a treadmill with a much more sinister use. Operating much like a hamster wheel, they were put into prisons. Did anybody know this? Okay, so one, okay, a couple. So most of us are learning something here. They were put into prisons where prisoners were made to walk on them for up to 10 hours a day, naturally never going anywhere. It wasn't long before prison wardens discovered that they could also use, be used as energy source, as an energy source, right? Uh, thus cap, capitalizing on prisoners' physical exertion. It wasn't until around 1900 that treadmill walks for punishment was determined to be cruel to be, and, to, and uh, not to be continued anymore. So they would actually use these treadmills to, to power, to produce power, and they'd put these prisoners on there for like eight to 10 hours a day, right? Some of you guys are like, yeah, that's, that's not bad. But you know, I still think that they are cruel, and I don't get on them ever, um, just so you know. Um, here's another one. How about mini golf? Anybody played miniature golf before? Okay. Anybody know where that came from? Okay, well, it's your lucky day. I've got the answer right here. <clears throat> miniature golf is a popular activity for those who enjoy the sport without having to go to a full-blown course. The abbreviated version was actually designed for women as a solution to ladies wanting to play the game during the Victorian age. At that time, conduct, particularly for women, uh, was very regimented. The idea of them taking full golf swings, right, which would necessitate the momentary loss of control over their bodies was considered obscene. Look how far we've come, right? Allowing uh, the demure put it putting was acceptable, mini golf was born. The first course was uh, the Ladies Putting Club in St. Andrews, Scotland, which was built in 1867. Although it didn't have any large clown mouths to put into, over time it spawned into the popular activity enjoyed across the world today. Right? And who says you don't learn something at church, right? This is good. This is good. Okay, I've got one more. You got time for one more? 
The sun just popped out for a second. We're going to take advantage. How about napkins? We like anybody use napkins around here? <clears throat> All right. Yeah, that's great. If not, you should probably look into that at times when you're eating. Um, me with a beard, it's like I always have to have a napkin uh, nearby. It just is always, it's more for the person that's across from me than for myself because I don't feel the actual food on my face. And so I'll just sit there and talk and I've got snacks for later stuck in there and it's, uh, somebody has to actually tell me to wipe that away. So, but napkins used to be edible. Napkins are made from a variety of materials from basic paper to luxurious linen and can be disposable or reusable. However, many years ago they were meant to be eaten. Pray that the tent doesn't fly away here. Ancient Greeks wiped their hands on pieces of bread and the gluten soaking up oils uh, and other food, food leavings that could be used to feed dogs and other livestock. The Spartans took a similar tact, forming napkins out of thinly rolled dough. Once dinners were done wiping, uh, diners were done wiping their hands and faces, they smeared dough. The smeared dough was thrown to the dogs for a, a filling and if not unappealing, uh, a canine feast. So these napkins used to, used to like pieces of bread or dough and you would just wipe your face, kind of ball it up and throw it to your dog, which that's not a really bad thing to do either, right? I mean, that would be kind of interesting, but. So anyway, so, so th those are just a few things that you know, I think are part of most of our everyday lives, but we probably didn't know that information. And you know, sometimes it isn't really that important to know how something began i.e. the disposable napkin, you know, because we have our napkins and they work fine. And I'm sure most of you didn't sit around and wake up this morning like wondering, like, I wonder how the napkin first started. Um, that's probably why you didn't know the answer to this. But the, 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 the important part to realize is that there are some things that are very important that we should know how something began, right? So here as, as, as the church, we really need to stop oftentimes to make sure we know why we do what we do, Right? What in the world would possess a bunch of people to sit out in the middle of a lawn knowing that there's possible rainstorm coming <laughs> with the leaves falling on everybody and the wind blowing? You know, why do we gather together? Why are we here today? You know, what is the whole purpose and what, what is the reason? And so that kind of thought right there, that, that sort of idea is, is, is the whole kind of push behind this, this new series that we're going to do for the next uh, few weeks here. It'll actually take us up into... Um, Advent. And, and the idea is to get to the root of some of these things that we do. Because again, I'm sure a lot of you, and myself included, I don't always think about maybe why is it I do this or why is it I do that in the church. And so uh, this series called Back to the Start is going to take us back to the beginning and to understand the whys regarding the what's that we do. All right? So today we're going to begin the series um, with the question of why we worship, okay, why we worship. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about why we read the Word of God and obey it, why we pray, why we serve, why we sing, why we gather together, and why we tell others about the good news of the gospel, all right? And on the surface, maybe you've got some answers or thinking of some answers, but I think through it, I think you'll be surprised and maybe uh, just kind of be reminded of, of the reason why we do what we do. All right. So today, as we get into this time, it's, we're going to be talking about this, this, this word worship. Everywhere we turn, we hear about this word worship. And, and a lot of times, and we say it often, I know Luke and myself, and I believe Pastor Tony as well, we say, you know, it's, it's, it's not just singing up front. And um, it, it's, it's much more than just a song, isn't it? Um, there's actually a, a song, surprisingly enough, called More Than a Song. Um, by Jimmy Needham, and I wanted to, I would love to have played the video, but obviously we don't have 
the big screen outdoor LED TVs in here. So I can't show you that, but I'm gonna, I just wanna read some of the lyrics from the song because every time I listen to it, it's very convicting and it kind of just uh, makes me stop and think. So this is the lyrics from this song called More Than a Song. And this is what it says. The first verse, it says, clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze, like set them on fire. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols, jerk the pews and all the decorations too, until the congregation's few then have revival. Tell your friends that this is where the party ends. Until you're broken for your sins, you can't be social. Then seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store and know that great is your reward, so just be hopeful. And then the second verse, take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper. Beg him please to open up his mouth and speak and pray for the real upon your knees until they blister. Shine the light on every corner of your life until the pride and lust and lies are in the open. Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken. And then the chorus says, because you can sing all you want to, you can sing all you want to, and it says, and, you, and still can get it wrong because worship is more than a song. And then he finishes with, we must not worship something that's not even worth it. Clear the stage, make some space for the one who deserves it. And so it's a very, very powerful words in that, very strong words in that. And it's really about, again, it's, it's all the stuff we do. In and of itself, it's not wrong. You know, we do, we have, you know, speakers, we have microphones, we have screens. We do all these things. But if we don't understand the heart of what we do or why we do it and, and what worship truly is, it's, it's, it's so much beyond a song and it, and it can really, um, we can miss out really on what God has and it can really be for nothing, all right? And so today, this question of what is worship, and I want you to take just a few minutes and I'm not gonna stand here for long, but think about that question if you would as, as I begin to, to go forward, but what is worship? If you had to define worship, if somebody asked you, what, how would you define it? How would you kind of try to put the words to it? You know, it's, it's one of these things that it's, it seems very simple, doesn't it? But when you start to think about it, can you really put your thumb on or could you articulate to someone else what worship really is? The dictionary definition of worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. How many had that in their mind? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> The feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Okay, that's how the dictionary would define worship. Another, another um, form of this word worship is something called worth-ship. Worth-ship, which is simply, it's assigning worth to someone. And, and back, I mean, maybe some weddings still do, but they would actually use this term worship, talking about what the spouse should feel for the other. And of course, we kind of sit there and say, well, Wait a second, so I'm supposed to worship like the ground, you know, my spouse walks on or something. No, no, it's, it's got this, you're assigning worth to that person. And that's, that's, that's where also this word came from is, is worth-ship, putting worth onto somebody. And our spouses are worth everything. And so throughout the Bible, uh, we find listening to God's word, okay? So, so just for a minute, I want you to think about where we're at, what we're doing now, and just, you know, uh, put some of these into place. So we find listening to God's word, prayer, and sacrifice, uh, it usually constituted the essence of worship. 
And so, again, so a lot of what we do in our services is all, is all worship to God. You know, we always say, too, you know, with, our, with giving, you know, our, our giving box is in the back. We don't, you know, make a big, huge front show of it. But giving, it's, you know, you start talking about giving. Even now, you might have gotten tensed up. But it's, it's not about your wallet. It's about where your heart is. And giving, our giving of our money, is, it's just another form of, of worshiping God in every single area of our life. You know, when we raise our hands, when we sing, when we, when we talk to somebody on the street, when we live our life, when we help someone, we are worshiping God with our life. And that's what we need to be reminded of, that that is what worship truly looks like. And so as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're going to deep dive on some of these things I just listed out. You know, we're going to go much deeper into these. But it's interesting that a lot of the things I mentioned where this series is going to take us, it really falls under the umbrella of worship all around, you know, what worship is. And so, again, just kind of keep that in your mind as we begin this journey through this series um, of what worship is and, and, and all these other things of why we do what we do. Again, when we think of worship, we so often go to singing or prayer, maybe. But, but worship may include these things, but worship isn't synonymous with these things. All right? Worship may include prayer. It may include singing. But how many know that you can sing without worshiping? How many know, and this may be a little interesting, you can pray without worshiping God? Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to get to that in just a minute. That's the cliffhanger. But you can do all these things, but you, you may not be worshiping God. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I, when I was you know, preparing for the sermon, when I think about that in my mind, that I can do all of this stuff. We can be out here today. We can sing our songs to God. We can do all the, 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 the motions, but they can all be done in such a way that it, it, it does not bring any worship to God. It is not, we are not connecting with the heart of our Father. There's something uh, disconnected somehow. And that needs to sober us very quickly. So it's, it's confusing, though, because we, we, we take this word worship, don't we? And we put it with everything, right? What's our service called typically? A worship service, right? Luke, what's your title? He's the worship director. So if you have any questions, actually, you just go to him. He's the guy because he's going to direct you on what to do and how to worship properly. We sometimes call our churches worship centers, right? If you've ever seen that on a sign, maybe at a church. So we, we take this word worship, and, and again, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it's just, it can become so, so many places, it becomes familiar, doesn't it? Without us really understanding what is it that we're trying to convey? What is it that worship truly is? You know, worship, you know, services, worship leaders, worship centers. Um, you know, in the churches I've been a part of, typically, when we were planning uh, the songs for the service, the fast songs were the praise songs. The slow songs were the worship songs, huh? Anybody else ever thought of that before or called it that? You know, that's just what we did. It's like, okay, what are our, what are our praise songs, our fast songs? That's praise. And again, it's not that that's wrong, but it's just, it's kind of how we've applied these terms. But we put the worship part on the slow songs. So let's define, let's try to define this word worship, this term worship a little further. So the common uh, Hebrew word for worship in the Old Testament is used 71 times. Okay, the word that's translated uh, for worship. And it literally means to bow down with reverence and respect. 
Now, during the song service day, I didn't see anybody doing any bowing or anything like that. And it, I wasn't doing it either, so don't, don't feel like I'm judging you or anything. But this is what the Old Testament version of, of, of what that term was for worship meant. That's the weight that it had or the meaning behind it. And in the New Testament, uh, the, the word translated for worship is used to 26 times in the Gospels and 21 times in the book of Revelation. And check this out. It's only used one time uh, in the epistles, which are all the, the letters to the church in the middle. Which is intriguing to me because... You know, if, if the letters are really to the early church, kind of explaining this is how you should gather, this is what you should do, this is what the church should look like, how things should function. But worship is only like mentioned one time in all of those, in the middle, in the epistles. And so I think, you know, one reason is, is in both the Gospels and in Revelation, you know, Jesus is actually physically present, isn't he? He's physically there, and so worship should be taking place anyway. But in the meantime, we, we're left to kind of understand, if you will, and learn why we need to, to worship and what it should look like for us as the church. So if you have your Bibles open in Romans, I want to read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And it says this, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, right? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and again, that word therefore means he's referring back to something, and we're going to touch on that in a little bit. Um, I, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful folks who are here present. I thank you for those watching online. God, I pray, Lord, just that you would truly um, open our hearts, Lord, to receive your word today. And God, as we talk about and, and learn um, about what worship is, Lord God, again, may it, may it truly resonate with us to, to go beyond just our actions and the things we do or the things we say, but that it gets uh, to our heart, Lord God, because that is where our worship comes from. And so, God, we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, uh, you know, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And that, therefore, is really referring to chapters 1 through 11, where, where Paul is laying out all these things. And, and again, we're going to get to that uh, momentarily. But notice, again, what is, what is your spiritual worship, then? It's simply what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, if you're like me, I, I don't know that my mind goes there first when I hear the word worship. You know, to, to always come back to that place of when I'm thinking about, I'm worshiping God, you know, that it's, 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 it's my whole being, that I, I'm worshiping God with everything I have. And if it's singing, how many know that song service isn't actually like an extra 20 to 30 minutes just so you can get to church late, right? Anybody know that? Don't, don't make eye contact. I know, I know, I shouldn't have said that. Just keep looking at me and they won't know it's you. All right? <laughs> it's Pastor Appreciation Day. It's, it's free. I can do that. So, um, yeah, that's why, why do we come for worship? Why do we, why do we come as, and, and say that we sing songs in worship? Again, singing by itself, we can't just walk in like zombies and just blah, 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 blah. 
But when we engage our heart and we lift up our voices and we're, we're, we're worshiping God with all of, of our being, that's the beauty. And when we gather together and we do that corporately, man, that's, that's where God like, hey, he turns his ear like, I hear, I hear Long Grove Community Church. You know, they're worshiping. Why? Because their hearts are engaged with their mouth and their mind and everything's moving and they're, they're worshiping me. And so again, presenting ourselves uh, as, as, as sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And again, I don't, I don't want to go back. I don't mean to, but I do actually mean to. But like to the giving, you know, that's another thing. And let me just say this, and this maybe makes you feel better. If you just go back there, you go back there and drop, you know, whatever, $10,000 in the bucket and your heart's not engaged in it. You know, it, it really doesn't mean anything. And this is what Jesse was getting at. Our, one of our elders was up here a few weeks ago, and that's what he was talking about. You know, because we even, and, and I get it, you know, as far as doing the, the automated draft, automatic draft, that's great and everything. But I encourage you, even if you're signed up for that to come out of your account, take time each, each month or whatever, or each week, whenever that happens, to stop and say, Lord, I give this to you. I, I give this as an offering and engage your heart into something um, that's part of worship, our worship to God. I want to I uh, go to, to the Gospel of John for a minute, and it's going to be a very familiar scene, probably for most of you, that you um, have probably heard or seen or read about before, but it's the woman at the well, right, where Jesus meets this uh, Samaritan woman at the well. And it's very interesting what Jesus says here. And uh, we're going to pick up uh, in chapter 4 of uh, the Gospel of John, verse 16. And so again, he, he, uh, he, he engages this conversation with this woman, which again, should not happen. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. It's, a lot of you probably know the background, but this just wouldn't be happening typically. But Jesus was, uh, had a plan here. And so Jesus says to her in, in verse 16, it says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither this mountain nor Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, I mean, very, kinda, very uh, intriguing words that Jesus is choosing to say at this moment. Verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And then the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then I can just see Jesus' face like, kind of, here comes the, the card on the table, right? Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So the Messiah had arrived. Jesus had arrived. And so now everything is changing. Everything is shifting and so Jesus is saying here that the time is coming when it isn't going to be so much about the physical, the location or the form or the ritual, but instead it has everything to do with the heart, the heart. 
you know, there were during that time, as we talk about the Pharisees often, and, and they always get, again, the bad, there were bad Pharisees, but there were also genuine Pharisees that were just trying to walk this out the way that they had been instructed and, and knew to do. But the biggest problem with the religious leaders during Jesus' time was that they had lost the heart behind why they were doing what they were doing. They had just fallen into this going through the motions. You see, remember that the temple was being, was being moved, or it moved from being a building, right? This is what Jesus was saying um, to us. We are now the temple. That's what the Bible says. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? It had moved. It had shifted. And what they had known for so long had now shifted. And again, now it was, we are the temple. And so catch this. If God is dwelling inside of you and inside of me, then that makes us what? It makes us the sanctuary, right? It makes us the temple where, where, where the Holy Spirit lives, where God lives. So do you know what this means? <laughs> it means that everything we do is worship to our creator. We are literally like temples walking around with God living in us. And so whatever you're doing, that's, that's what I said before, whatever it is that you're doing you're doing it as unto the Lord. You're doing it as it can be as worship to the Lord. When you're making um, breakfast for all your kids in the morning and you're tired and you don't really want to do that, but you do it with the right heart, I mean, it can be as worship unto the Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm serving uh, these, these children today. I'm, I'm serving um, these blessings, as you call them, that we have to remind ourselves sometimes, but they're, they're blessings that you've given to us and you can do that. You can worship God in whatever you do if your heart is engaged. And so this was the hang-up that Jesus had with the Pharisees, again, because they were so focused on the outward appearance and what it looked like while failing to address the sin in their hearts. And I don't know about you, but for me, I, 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 I hate to say that I fall oftentimes where the Pharisees fall, meaning I, if I'm not careful and I, I don't, I'm not in the word of God like I need to be or I'm not, not pausing or making space for God in my life and to pray, I can still do the right things, you know, and, and we can come to church and, and, and many of us have been in the church for so long, I call it Christianese, you know, we learn the language of the church, don't we? We walk in and we smile and God bless you, Jesus loves you, you know, my favorite one, I say it all the time when you know, people ask how you're doing, you say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. You know, and everything, you, you're basically writing a country song in your life. You've lost everything, you know, and your truck broke down. But you just come in and you smile. And look around at, I mean, actually, yeah, go ahead and look around at each other for a minute. <laughs> Let's just make it really awkward, besides just for me. How well do you know the people around you right now? Would you know if that person was really going through a struggle right now? Would they be able to, to be honest and say, you know what, it's not going well right now. Actually, my life is, is horrible. <laughs> Everything is bad. But isn't that what the church is supposed to be? Isn't that what we're supposed to be able to do? Are we supposed to be walking with one, with one another and sharing this life with one another and sharing our burdens with one another? Again, we have to, to be honest with what's here and we have to be honest with each other and knowing what is truly going on. 
And so we begin to see here that, again, it comes back down to this, this issue of the heart and what is happening to the inner man. And it's almost like because we don't see it, stuff can be going on in our heart that's not good, but because out here we walk around with our face and our smile and you know, we do all the motions we're supposed to, we forget that here is where it's most important. And we can even do all the right things, all the good things, but it actually counts for nothing because our heart is not engaged. Listen to what God said to his people in the book of Amos when their hearts had drifted far from him. And I, I read this to Leanna last night, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is sobering, very sobering. So I hope, yeah, it, it's, I'm going to just ruin your world right now like it did mine last night when I was going through this again. Okay? So in Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, it said this, and this is, again, God speaking to his people as they've once again been stiff-necked and gone off the track. It says, I hate, I despise your feasts and take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Off to a good start, right? Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That right there is extremely sobering. Because what it's saying is that you know, I, I alluded to it, you know, if, if you if you gave a big offering or you come here and we sing our songs, right? We even raise our hands. We pray. These people were actually, it was back under when they would bring literal physical sacrifices, an animal to sacrifice it. But because their hearts were far from God and they would not address the sin in their heart, it meant nothing to him. They still did it all. And they probably felt pretty good about themselves. But in God's eyes, he's like, I don't hear anything and I don't see anything. It means nothing to me because your heart's are full of sin and they're far from me. And let those words, let that challenge us today to take a true look in the mirror and, and where we're at spiritually with God, where our heart is with God. You know, those, those, those sins that seem, you know, as I call them, our pet sins that don't hurt anybody, that are kind of just lingering around, but, you know, they're kind of hidden away. That is what hinders us you know, if you're feeling far from God today, if you're feeling like there's a disconnect or you're trying to find, God, where, where is it that, how come I don't sense your presence in my life? Why, why does nothing have that meaning that it used to have? Well, most likely there's sin there. And more than likely, you know that it's there. <laughs> and I tell people all the time, if, if you found that disconnect or something's been, been kind of missing, you're just, where, it's like, where, where did it go? Where did my, that closeness I felt with God go? Well, I'm like, go back to that place where God told you to do something or, or where, where is that place in your life you chose to be disobedient to what God told you to do? Or where's that place in your life? Where, where, where was it or when was it that God revealed something in your life, but it was just too hard and too difficult to address. And so you just kind of subdued it, you covered it and you put a big, you know, happy face on it and like, it's good to go. I'm just gonna let it sit there. And God's, he's, he's sitting there like, well, I guess we're at a standstill right now. Because you know what that says it, 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 by your actions? It says that God, you know what? 
sending your son to die on the cross, Jesus, you know, shedding his blood, being beaten for us, dying, it's not enough for, for this. It's not enough to remove this. This is too hard. And I don't know about you, but for me, I always kind of think about, imagine telling Jesus as he's dragging the cross after being flogged and beaten to the point of almost death, as he's dragging his own cross that he will be crucified, imagine kneeling down next to him when he's on the ground and saying, God, this, Jesus, this is just too hard for me. I'm sorry. I can't do it. But how many times do we choose to, through our actions, or should I say through our inactions, choose to, to do that, don't we? It comes down, church, to where, where is your heart today with God? Where is your heart? And what things are you, are you harboring in your heart that are not of God? So what does worshiping God in spirit and in truth really come down to? In Romans 12:1, as we read, it says, I appeal to you, therefore. So, so Paul's saying, listen, I need you to listen to this, and I'm asking you to do this. And, and, and the, therefore, like I said, it's, it's all the previous chapters. If, you, if you're struggling today, start with Romans chapter 1 and read through ch chapter 11, all right? Because he says, by the brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, this mercies of God. What are these mercies? Again, that's what you're going to find through chapters 1 through 11. Listen just to a few of these. One, that we are justified by faith. Can somebody say? All right, it cut out just in time. You guys came through, though. We are justified by faith. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> it's our faith alone. We have peace with God. Yeah. Amen to that. You know, I, I really hope I'm going to be around for a very long time on this earth but I promise you that I live every day understanding, you know what, if, if it's my last breath today, I have, I'm at peace with God. I have an eternity with him to look forward to, peace with God. Here's another one, we are joint heirs with Jesus. Come on, you see where we're going with this, yeah? All right, amen. You can amen that, it's okay. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We are no longer under the law. Amen. amen. Lastly, nothing, and here it is. You all better amen on this one. I'm setting this one up. Nothing can separate us from the love of our Father. Amen. Nothing. And so even if you are in a funky place today, if you're in that place in your heart where you, don't, you know it's not right, you know what? God the Father loves you. And God is going to work with you. He's going to try to bring you around, and he's going to be patient with you. But just you're missing out on the, the beauty of walking in stride with, with God when you don't deal with those things in your heart. Knowing who God is, the truth, and what he has done for us is what propels us forward to presenting ourselves as living sacrifice. Right? We have to know who God is. When we know who God is, that is what is going to take us to that place. Thanks for sticking with me. I know it's getting a little wet. I'm about to wrap up here. Listen, God doesn't just want us for what we can do. He just wants us. All of you and all of me. Warren Worsby, he said this. He said, worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, body, to what God is and says and does. So then worship is simply this. It's our, it's our response to a gracious God. 
And if you're struggling with that today, then I encourage you to go to the Word, find out who God is, the God that you serve and profess as Lord and Savior. And when you do that, worship is the natural response to Him. If we're trying to worship without knowing the God that we worship, then it's just our actions and it's our emotions, and of course we're going to be disconnected. But when we discover the God of the universe that loves us, that sent His Son because of the love for us to die for your sins and for my sins, and we truly know that, Worship is our natural response. When the sun comes out, like when we bought these flowers here, they were closed, right? They were, they were just about. And when that sun started to come out and shine on these flowers, their natural response was to do this. The same is with us and with our hearts and in, in, in having a heart of worship. Discover who God is today and you'll discover what true worship really looks like. In closing, As was once said, we need to be producers of worship, not just consumers of it. We need to be producers of worship and not consumers of it. And while I'm just kind of stepping on toes today or whatever, you know, that's why we want you here with our, our worship service. That's why we want you here at the beginning. You know why? Because when we lift our voices to the Lord, <laughs> we're no longer consuming. We, we, we're singing together and we're producing. Worship comes out of us. And you may come in here on fumes, but the person to your left and to your right, as they lift their voice, your spirit begins to be lifted, doesn't it? It begins to respond. And like, you, you say, Lord, yeah, I needed this. And I promise you, I, I'm not gonna ask you specifically, but most of you, if you come in here feeling like that, typically when you leave, you're like, I'm glad I went to church today. I'm glad I went to church today. Worship is both the attitude and the act. The attitude and the act. It's, 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 it's how we approach it, but it's also what we do. We need to go from the mindset of bringing sacrifice to being the sacrifice. And that's what it is, to live our lives as a living sacrifice. But how many know, as living sacrifices, we don't like to stay on the altar very well, do we? <laughs> it gets uncomfortable sometimes some of us here maybe and myself you know maybe we've just got like a thumb on the altar or, or a toe or a foot you know we've got a foot and a leg laid up there god wants all of you he wants all of me he wants our whole being to be laid on the altar to trust him to do what only he can do i believe that the two greatest gifts we can ask god for today is to give us a true sense of who we are what we really are and this is it in a true sense of who he is who God has created you to be, who he's created us to be, but more importantly, who he is. Let me just say this real quick. I, I, I want to be sensitive to the time because of the weather, but I don't want to rush past something. But again, I know that many of us are in challenging seasons of life right now. Many of us are in challenging seasons. And it is amazing how much we will consume the news and the media and, and all these other things and what people think and I'm not saying to be completely oblivious to what's going on, but I, I encourage you, start with pursuing who God is. Start, start with going to the word of God and being reminded of how great God is and how much he loves you and that he's created you. And, and we're, we were created for this season. We were created to be right here, right now in this moment. And when we discover that, what you will find is you will find yourself worshiping God even amidst 
turmoil. You'll find yourself worshiping the Lord even amidst trial and, 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 and discouragement and even loss and that pain of, of losing people around you. It's our worship, church. Worship God. <laughs> and watch how things begin to change. Watch how you change mostly. If you get an understanding of who God truly is, you will respond by giving yourself entirely to him. So that's what worship is, if you were wondering. It's just giving yourself to God. But so many of us, again, we, we, we try to lead with that. Like, God, I'm trying to give myself to you without knowing really who he is. Or we forget who he is, don't we? You, you look at uh, the model of, of marriage. That's, that's what marriage is all about. It's, it's an example of, of, of this relationship. And you don't give yourself to somebody you just met off the street. At least you shouldn't. <laughs> Come to me. I'll, I'll give you counseling and I'll help you out. All right? No, we, we get to know that person, don't we? We begin to, to understand that person and who that person is and can we trust that person and, and what's this person about? And as we get to know that person and the beauty that's in that person, then we're like, we begin to fall in love with that person, don't we? And, and, and it's a response. It's not like some of us have been married for a while. Maybe you've got to go back a ways, to, you know, when you were dating or whatever, you know, maybe you need to rekindle that. But when you first started dating, if you can remember back that far for some of us, you didn't, you didn't have to, I know when I was started dating Leanna, you didn't have to like, you know, she didn't have to like beg me to hang out with her. She didn't have to ask me like, could you do something nice for me? <laughs> she didn't say, do you think we could hang out? No, it's like, she's like, hey, I, we need to stop hanging out so much. <laughs> you're annoying, you're bothering me. Because I just wanted to be with her all the time, right? Because I loved her and I saw the person, I'm like, this is somebody I, I dig. I can, I love this person. I want to be with this person. It's the same thing with their relationship with God. When you begin to discover the person of who God is, not just what we think God is or what we hear God is or a picture of what we think God is, but when we know God, that's what separates us from other religions. We have the ability, we can, God has made a way for us to know him in a personal relationship. And as we do, our worship is the response to that, amen? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, God, I just want to stay right at the very beginning, Lord. Just forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, where, again, where I've, I, I've just approached so many things, Lord God, um, in a way that's not right, in a way that's unholy as, as far as where the attitude of my heart is. Again, Lord, when we've been in the church for so long, Lord, it's just easy to just go through the motions, just to do the things that we know to do. God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us, Lord God? Forgive us, Lord, where we've handled those things that are holy as, as, as things that are just common. God, where you have just shown us, Lord, those things in our life, that the beauty of, of, of having the Holy Spirit dwelling within inside of us is to show us those places, not, not to bring condemnation, but to bring conviction. God, condemnation is, is, is from the enemy. But God, conviction is from you because you love us. And you don't want any sin to be separating us from you. God, would you forgive us today? God, would you begin to stir in the hearts of your people here at this church, Lord God? 
a conviction, Lord God, to bring our hearts back to you, Lord, to, to deal with the sin that's in dwelling and, and lingering, even if it seems so small, Lord. And God, as we begin to get our hearts right before you, that you would meet us, Lord, in this place. God, I pray for each person here today. I pray for each person that's watching online, Lord God. That right now there would even be repentance, Lord. My God, that your spirit, again, would not just dwell in us, but that it would fill us to overflowing in this moment, Father God. That we would leave this service today with much more than we expected. That we would leave this service full because God, we know that what happens next is, is when we go out and we come across somebody who, who may be suffering or hurting or, or hopeless, God, it begins to spill out of us because we have hope, because we have, Lord, you. We have relationship with you. So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. God, that you would pour out your spirit upon them. And God, that they would respond in an attitude of worship from their heart. Whatever may come out, whether it's a song whether it's a prayer, Lord God, whether it's an action, God, that it would be from a heart of worship to you because you deserve truly all of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand?